It's March 27th, 2015, and you're listening to Episode 3 of Roll Up and Die. guys in advance i just crammed a bunch of chicken down my gullet and then drank a soda really quickly so i'm gonna try and keep the belching to a minimum and if i feel one coming i'm gonna try to move away from the microphone and muffle it but i just uh, i I can already feel it brewing so i've gotten pretty good at hitting the mute button uh, uh, quietly so it doesn't like (laughs) if i have to cough or you know oh the last one i wasn't very good at it at all i was like (laughs) (laughs) that's a smart idea i might look at that mute button yeah it's <laughs> nice on the uh on the blue yeti the mute button is just right there right on the front of exactly the, of the microphone and it's glowing red so i always know where <laughs> yeah, it is exactly you can't miss it it's just you know i just reach out and boop. exactly it's yes. idiot it's idiot proof it's really nice well i like think of things as idiot resistant nothing is really idiot proof. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of thinking about because, it <laughs> because in, invariably a, a better idiot will come along and figure out exactly up, exactly so. yeah excellent so i've been uh, i watched a lot of battlestar galactica with my wife today matt oh did you <laughs> nice, nice yes oh my gosh so, uh, without spoiling anything i am uh, how do i how do i say this chief tyrrell Yes. Just mm-hmm. swapped uh-huh. and Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this question. One of the big revelations in the later seasons of Battlestar Galactica is the identity of the final five. Yes. And I had a lot of theories about who mm. five was. Me too. And I was disappointed. Me too. Uh, by, Super. The, by the reality of it. Well, because when I first met I was like, oh, the Cylon. Right, exactly. And, yeah. I was hoping it would have been the... Uh, the yeah, I that was one of my... I can't remember what my big theory was. I just... Um, yeah, I just remember really being really disappointed with, with that. And like, even when it happened, like when they revealed it, I was like, no, that's not it. And Tila had no. seen it before and she was like, no, Matt, that's it. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like that was when, like the yeah. first time I was let down by the show, actually. Like up until that point, I was just, it, it, had, mm. it had met or exceeded my expectations. But that particular revelation was... Um, was kind I'm of disappointing. So, well, one of the other things that really threw me on the show was when they uh, uh, when they basically just skipped a whole year in, in oh, over yeah. an episode. Yeah. It was like, well, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're watching them like you're watching them like your average American buying a, two seasons and watching every single episode in order in yeah. a night. Did I miss and a it's disc? Like, wait, 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 yeah, exactly. That's what you think. No, it's they're not, uh... they're not still leaving there for a year, are they? Was that the the new Caprica? Yeah. 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 I love the all of the new Caprica stuff is is so awesome, and I think one of my one of my favorite moments in any television show ever, yes, is oh when the Galactica Galactica. Yep. Yeah, I know what you're talking yep. about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're when talking about. When they do yeah. the yeah. man, oh, yeah. yes, and then yeah. oh my god, Dude, I, that was the best. best scene. I I had to pause it and get up and walk around the room for a little bit because I was just so hyped. I had so much adrenaline. I was like, that we is the coolest it. thing. Yeah, we paused it and I looked at Heather and I was like. That was the best thing ever, right? <laughs> like I had, exactly. I needed the validation. Yeah, 
no, that, and, and, and oh, that awesome. le- just leading up to that with them not knowing how they were going to get the people off the planet and then right, seeing right. it all happen was just like, oh my God, it was so good. Well, and the, and then, and then, there's, there's the, 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 you know, yeah. the, there's not this. It's just, oh, exactly. Awesome. Oh, it was just so, so well, well done. done. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yeah, hot dog is my jam. Oh, I love hot dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not, you know, a favorite character by any means because I, I don't think he's around enough. But no, oh, and I love that guy. I would say my favorite character is Chief Terrell. But I would yeah. say Saltai is tied with him, strangely uh, enough. I, I do like... I do like Tyrrell, and uh, but I gotta give it to Saul Ty. Uh, oh yeah, I just I love his <laughs> his just his personality, the just cantankerous old man, and how he he's always the one that's making these really tough decisions and not yeah. always making the best decision and having to kind yeah. of deal with the fallout of that. And um, well, and, and he's got the most amazing story arc in the in the oh, show. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and a great actor too. The yeah. guy raises an eyebrow and wins an award. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Pretty much. I, just, I love his voice, and I've I've based several characters off of his voice and mannerisms. Just the spool up the fracking FTLs now. You know that kind of <laughs> that kind of like just gritty Canadian kind of voice is just oh it's it's amazing. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever used gritty and Canadian together before, but I guess I guess it works. But he not. he does it, man. He does it. <laughs> he does it. Yeah, I just and I love. Adama, obviously, I, I I think that uh, Edward James almost just just knocked it out of the park consistently in that show. I thought he was just yeah. amazing. Oh, hey, I don't I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was a little bit of trivia. Do you remember that scene uh, where he's building that big ship? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then at one point he's really upset and he and he just trashes it. Yeah. Well, apparently, oh, yeah. like the producers had a heart attack because that thing was worth like fifty thousand dollars, something ridiculous like that. Oh my and, god! And it was on it was on loan to them. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and he just he just like Rolling Stones the room just trashed it. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, man. It, was a, it was an expensive scene, dude. Edward James almost is a rock star, man. Oh, he is. Uh, yeah, he's wonderful. I've, he he makes the first season of that show. Oh yeah, I've always loved him. I I remember as a kid watching Blade Runner and just his character. He doesn't oh, speak the God. entire time, yeah. and then at the end he has that one line: "The it's too bad she won't live." But then again. <laughs> Who does? does? And I just, I, man, I always <laughs> yeah. thought that was so cool. <laughs> I, it's funny you mentioned that. I just watched Blade Runner the other, uh, I think it was two nights ago because mm-hmm. oh. I couldn't sleep. I love Blade Runner. Definitely a oh, top yeah. 10 movie for me. That is a definite top 10 movie for me. Uh, also one of the 10 movies that I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Because I've only <laughs> seen, I just watched those 10 on a, on a recurring loop. Is this the pre-show banter, by the way? I, I just wanted to. I think, oh, I yeah, think it's, at it's, least yep, part of it all. is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, just, uh, just checking. I got to see Blade Runner at the Cinerama in Seattle, which is one of two surviving Cineramas in the world. Oh, yeah. And uh, I got to see Blade Runner there um, when they re-released the final cut into theaters. And it was most definitely a religious experience for me. It was it was so amazing. It was one of those, one of those things where my buddy called me up at like 7, and he's like, hey, there's a showing of Blade Runner in Seattle in an hour. And I was like, holy shit. And we like mm-hmm. just piled in the car and drove there and just barely made it in time. And oh man, it was so good. So good. Definitely cool. recommend it. If you're in the Seattle area and you want to see a movie, go to the Cinerama. All right. Uh, so are you guys having anything to drink tonight? Uh, I am being good and I'm drinking water. Uh, I'm just having a, uh, a nice Cabernet. Uh, which oh, I, really? Which I usually have during the game. Yeah, Nothing fancy. But... <laughs> I love you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, Barker? Uh, I'm having a, a, a Witchwood Brewery Hobgoblin imported from the UK. Uh, this was recommended to me by Jenny Green, 
Mm. Nice. Moose. It's like a staple. And I felt like, you know, I usually don't drink during a podcast, but I felt like tonight's topic had a, <laughs> a certain, you know... Uh, quality to it that required me to pour myself an ale and speaking of tonight's topic happy friday gamers how's everybody doing tonight my name is barker and my name is matt from a fistful of dice and my name is alex aka captain gothnog and welcome to roll up and die this uh pretty psychologically not harmful podcast I thought you were going to say psychologically unstable podcast because that to <laughs> that be also would have been accurate. Yeah, no, I feel I feel bad that I don't have something fancier to drink uh, for tonight's topic. I am drinking water, and it's actually infused water. It's strawberry kiwi water um, mm-hmm. because I don't drink enough water. So I figure if I get water that tastes like something not water, I'll drink it more. And there's there's a uh, there's nothing more interesting than a character in a tavern that is saying no, just water, just water. So, I mean, the reason I feel like that we chose taverns as a topic is that they're an RPG staple. Absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Some would say overused, but I don't think so. I know. And a lot of people hate the, you know, the party meets in a tavern bit. But I... I mean, I, I love it. Yeah, I do too. And I, I, I don't understand, you know, I've heard people say, you know, never start the party in a tavern or, you know, you, that's overdone. It's overused. It's it's cliche. And I always say, you know, it's a it's a trope for a reason. Most tropes are tropes for a reason because they they work. They they serve lots of different purposes. And the, the tavern as an option for starting the party there provides lots of options for introducing the characters to each other and acquiring quests. And so I think it's a it is a staple for a reason. Well, and throughout and throughout history, the the tavern, the the pub, the bar, has always been kind of the central, you know, community gathering point. Uh, you know, since they've had them anyway, uh, it's been the watering hole, the place where people go to exchange gossip, to talk about their daily lives, their uh, making plans, that sort of thing. So it, it's 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 really always been sort of a kind of a, a community center in in civilized society forever. Yeah, I mean, you you told yeah. me that, and and yeah. I I feel like I always knew that, but I never realized it until you mentioned that, Alex. Yeah, well, it can take so many forms. Like you know, we're we're, we're talking about taverns uh, right off the bat, but you know, uh, in a modern setting, it can be a pub or a bar. In uh, you know, in a sci-fi setting, you have like the Star Wars Cantina, which is a classic one. But it can also include things like uh, like coffee shops or uh, a diner. You know, any place in a community where people are going to tend to kind of to get together, not not in a formal setting like a town hall, but in a in an informal setting, because that's where that's where the truth is really heard. You know, people put on their best clothes when they go to a church or a town hall meeting, but when you're sitting at a at a pub or a bar, that that that's when the masks come off. That's when people start to sit down and talk about you know real life stuff. You know, the American Revolution was planned in 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 pubs. You know, we. Uh, Sun Tavern, man, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. That's where the Marine Corps was founded in a bar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is not surprising. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, exactly. That, that's and I, I just thought of this before we we started uh, to record, which was uh, the Old West Saloon, which is a really classic example of a place that was the center of human activity in a community. And uh, I can't imagine having any kind of Old West setting, whether it was an RPG, a, a movie, or, any, or a story, without having a saloon in it. You just, you just couldn't. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense. And I think in a, in a fantasy RPG, you kind of have to have the tavern. It's part of what makes the setting. It, it's just a magnet for, 
for adventures. Because let's face it, you know, a lot of times they're, they're wanderers, they're travelers. Where do they stay when they're on the road? You know, that's that's it. People say that the that the tavern is is cliche or whatever. I think it's it's actually. It's almost more contrived and sort of hackneyed to try and get a party to meet somewhere that is not a communal place like a tavern or something like that. You know, you have the party run into each other in the wilderness or whatever. And it's like, you know, what are the what are the chances that in the big, vast world that, you know, these five people are all going to meet in the same spot in the middle of the wilderness? You know, it's you can make it work. You can make it, you know, make sense. But, you know, the tavern is actually a logical, like you're saying, Alex, like a logical you know, meeting place for the community. It's it's where gossip is shared, and uh, if you're an adventurer, if you're a, if you're a mercenary soul, the first place you're gonna go, maybe the only place you're gonna go when you're passing through a town, is the the inn or the tavern or the roadhouse. You know, exactly. And actually, the roadhouse is another great one, another good example of uh, something people can use, and and it does transcend genres. You know, uh, we you know we mentioned modern, sci-fi, fantasy, old west. I mean, almost any genre is going to have some place where people gather like that. You know, whatever it happens to be, you know, that's your tavern. Call it whatever you want, but that's what it. That's basically what it is. It serves the same function. Yeah, I had a a diner in my Call of Cthulhu game that was um, nearby the party's headquarters because the the party were agents in this sort of um, Hellboy esque government agency shadow organization that investigated you know eldritch mysteries and stuff like that and uh they would often end up at the diner uh with their investigations you know pouring over their notes and talking over their investigations and also meeting with with locals and talking to people and encountering npcs and stuff like that so um it can really be applied to to any genre any style of game that you're running so for our listeners and and actually a little bit for me I feel like the reason we're talking about taverns is because they might be cliche for a reason, but we as GMs can seriously do better at making interesting taverns Mm -hmm. because they're used so often, because they're such a staple. We can do better at creating taverns that are more interesting, uh, that are more, more memorable, that are different kind of from the herd. And, And I feel like as a start, the three of us should pick one thing each that would just build our own boring ass standard tavern in a box right now. Like, <laughs> what is a, a kind of a, a boring staple of one of those taverns slash inns? The mysterious old man in the corner watching the party. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the, the grumpy bartender who's uh, with a dirty apron. And the, uh, the name of the tavern is... Adjective animal tavern. <laughs> yep. Or verb. Or verb. Uh, yeah, uh, verb. Noun. Yeah. Yeah. Prancing pony. Things like that. Verb noun tavern. Yeah. <laughs> now I want. I want to have a, yeah, you a tavern in my I world called the verb noun tavern. Nope. I'll awesome. go down to the verb noun. Get a get a mug of ale. Yeah, and that, that was the next one I was going to say, you know, a, a mug of ale. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's such a trope. You know, I have no problem with taverns in RPGs that serve ale. I mean, they should. Sure. But there there are other ways to make a tavern interesting. Well, a, yeah. ta- a tavern is an, a fantastic opportunity for you to add real flavor and, you know, literally to a, to a, to a game. <laughs> because say literally. Yeah. Because by, by the menu you create, by the, the drinks that you offer, 
by the uh, the personalities yeah. that that run the place. You know, for example, is it run by a woman or a man? You know, is it run by two men who are married? You know, is it run by you know uh, younger people and their you know their parents are gone? You know, th- there's all sorts of of ways you can sort of set up even the whole mood for the setting. You know, is is the person behind the bar creepy with you know long greasy hair and and uh, long fingernails, or is it someone who is like Mrs. Cleaver? You know, <laughs> 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 just you know smiling and, and washing dishes. You know, so you can sort of set, help set the mood that way. But I'm a big fan of of trying to incorporate all the senses uh, in a game because I think that helps really, you know, immerse the characters even more or the players even more rather. So, you know, describing the smell of foods and you know what kind of foods they offer, uh, the the t- the type of drinks, the the temperatures, uh, the sound of a grill sizzling in the background. You know, just all of these things can just really bring the uh, the players into the experience that their characters are having. And you know what? Uh, a good adage that I've kind of always lived by is that the inside of your tavern should show the players what the outside of the tavern looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Describe the setting just by being inside this one place. Yeah, right. you can kind of, you can almost, you know, give the players a little bit of a flavor for what they're going to see in the rest of the world or in the rest of the session just based on what's inside the tavern. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, it is the communal place where everyone goes. It's the, it's the melting pot. It would, it would include aspects of the, the greater world around it uh, inside the tavern. You know, objects on the walls, mm-hmm. paintings, uh, you know, just the various <laughs> characters inside of it, what it's constructed sure. of, what it used to be, if it used to be something else, you know. That's yeah, thing. is is there a, a you know a dragon head mounted above the uh, above the bar? Is there exactly you know, exactly? Is there a broken sword hang hang you know somewhere with a you know a name scrawled under it? I mean, all these things can be great you know lore for the for the area. My favorite is the axe above the bar that's got that's kind of blood stained, and it says in Dwarven, "We reserve the right to refuse service to anyone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I, I had one with that uh, it just had a sign that said patrons are responsible for cleaning up their own blood. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And that and that tells you really a lot a lot of what you need to know about that bar. And, and you know, the reason that adventures start in taverns a lot of times is because it's so easy for a what a, a GM or a DM or a storyteller, you know, to put an NPC there in a non ham fisted way. Yeah. Take Star yeah. Wars, you know? If if they were walking on the street and then they saw Han Solo and Han Solo said, hey, you guys looking for a pilot? No, I mean, give me a break. But, you know, cut to the cantina, it fits. Exactly. It's like I was saying earlier, it's it's, it's the least ham-fisted way to get your party together or to get them to interact with certain NPCs because... The party's not going to question, what are you doing here? It's like, it's the tavern. I'm, Of course I'm here. It's yeah. after 5 o'clock, you know? I'm going to be at the tavern. <laughs> well, and, and beyond that, it's realistic. Because again, yeah, like I yeah. said, and if, if you look at history, that's that's where great things happened. Coffee shops are, are, were another one. Uh, back in the, back in, uh, what was it, 15th century? Uh, oh, around the time of Isaac Newton. Coffee shops were, became really, really a, a, a new fad. And and that's where intellectuals would get together to discuss new theories, new ideas, new new concepts about the universe. And so these these became these sort of melting pots where people of different uh, social strata would get together and discuss these things. So it was it was a big uh, you know a big thing from from that perspective as well. Absinthe bars, uh, yep. wine bars. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, but I mean, nowadays you don't get much. You just get like some curly haired dude with a ukulele. That's kind of, <laughs> that's playing yeah, something by at the open mic night. I, yeah, I, that's it. <laughs> I suppose you could even stretch it a little bit to include things like opium dens, you know, although oh, yeah. Not, oh, yeah. Not, not a lot of talking went on, but it was still a place to go for <laughs> a lot of drooling. A yeah. lot of drooling went on. <laughs> But it was interesting. I, 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 it hadn't occurred to me. I, I, I played a, in a modern setting, and uh, our characters uh, were staying at a at a bed and breakfast. And all of a sudden, you know, strange things started to happen. Uh, the lights went out. We heard we started to hear explosions in the distance, things like that. So we're, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And so, without even thinking about it, it's like, well, well where are we going to try to get information? It's like, well, people are kind of probably going to be gathering at the bar down the street, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was just, it seemed the natural place to go. So even not thinking of it as going to the tavern, that's that's where we were drawn to. Now, I think that, you know, setting is one thing. Another thing is what can happen in a tavern? And, and I mean other than, Matt, your mysterious old stranger. Mm, he's looking at you. He motions. Come over. Come over here. I have a quest and I've been waiting three days until four adventurers of your specific description walk through that door to ask anybody about it. Yes. I have the money to, to have such a sustainable living. You, know. you might be wondering why I didn't just do it myself. Well, I hadn't thought that far. <laughs> Some of it kind of depends on the setting. I mean, you know, if you're looking at uh, a lot of places, uh, certainly fights breaking out would be, uh, uh, would be typical. Is always carousing, and certainly if you if if you're in a fantasy setting, your character's playing a, a more bardic type. There's there's obviously lots of opportunities for for them to sort of perform and and uh, uh, and do their thing. So gambling would also be would be very popular. Uh, that's that's more typical of some, like the old west setting, but you could have it in in any uh, in any setting really. You know, have an, have an kind of a side area that's set up for just, you know, for people gambling and doing things like that. You could have all kinds of games. Uh, yeah, I actually I have a I have a card game called Three Dragon Ante that uh it's a physical nice. card game and if my players are sitting in a tavern somewhere after an adventure i'll sometimes break out this game and have them play it in character and it's a really awesome uh chance for them to kind of talk to each other in character mm-hmm. and swap stories and and kind of uh either ramp up for an adventure or cool down from one um so you know gambling is certainly something that can be done uh, uh- and that character. I've been looking at something like that, anything like that, Matt, because, yeah. you know, gambling with, like, dice, and what I mean is, ooh, you want to gamble? Roll wisdom. I mean, yeah. that's just, yeah, bleh. But, yeah. I mean, is that card game quick? Uh, it's fairly quick. The rules are a little bit more complex than I'd like them. Uh, and so if I'm if I'm just looking for if a player is like I like I want to try and earn some gold doing some gambling. My what I usually do is I usually do like a modified version of blackjack using using d sixes mm-hmm. where they can kind of push their luck to try and get as close to twenty one with a d six as possible. Um, huh. And that's usually a good way of doing it. So. Huh. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so it's pro like, tip, it's like uh, do you want to roll <laughs> another D6 and try to get it close to 21? You might go over and they can kind of say, oh, I'll stay or, yeah, I'll I'll, 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 uh, I'll take another D6 or whatever. So and I usually just flavor that as a, you know, a dice game, uh, you know, popular with the locals or whatever. So uh, I'm writing that one down. Oh, Absolutely. cool. Yeah, that's an idea you can steal. Oh, wait, that's a later <laughs> segment. Sorry. <laughs> Well, you could also have people doing, say, a knife throwing contest if it's if it's that sort of uh, if it's that sort of place. People, uh, oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, 
you know who's who's better with the with the knife who can who can lift uh you know as as many people on a table as possible you know have the fighter go try and do some feats of strength stuff like that how about the uh the bar fight <laughs> well, i mean that doesn't ever get old no it doesn't it's a uh it is such a good way to throw a combat encounter early on in a session or in a campaign and let the players get used to combat with not as much threat of death because you know you can get injured in a bar fight but usually if you're drawing steel during a bar fight Usually it's gonna it's gonna get bloody really quick. So usually it's fists, chairs, you know, breaking mirrors yeah. over each other's heads, that sort of thing. It's kind of a cool way to see what your character can do without risking much. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's a, a, an amazing thing to happen at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Oh, totally. Because your your players are trying to get the feel for their characters, but you know they haven't gone over to you know the the troll's house yet to knock down his door and you know blast him with some witch bolts. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a you know it's a good chance for the for you know martial types to kind of flex their muscles a bit, and you know the wizard can maybe throw a couple cantrips into the mix to you know disorient people or make them slip, you know that sort of thing, and. Well, you know, and another thought, too, is that from a meta standpoint, it can be quite good for a GM, too, with new players because you, you, you can sort of kind of get a feel for, you know, for how they handle things. And you can also start throwing out, throw out, throwing out little plot hooks, you know, here and there. You know, maybe they go somewhere, maybe they don't, but you can kind of throw out all these various plot hooks and see which ones they sort of you know, are drawn to, you know, maybe they see a note, maybe they, maybe they see a notice on the wall for someone, you know, trying to help find a lost relative or, you know, they overhear a couple of dwarves talking about, uh, heading into, you know, uh, would, would consider going into that old, old, uh, that old mine, but, uh, not just the two of us would need help, you know, and, and just kind of throw, yeah. throw out these little bits here and there and see which ones they, they seem drawn to. And then, then you can sort of plan, start planning, adventures around it rumors man gossip mm-hmm. yeah. uh you know um you know creating that kind of interest realizing yeah. that the npcs inside of this place are interested in something every single one of them is interested in something some of those things are fruitless some of those things are fake kind of like we talked in right. the, the omens episode but some of those things are you know real things and plot hooks yeah absolutely you know, you always got to take into account the fact that, uh, you know, alcohol makes people more willing to, you know, get up and talk to people and approach people and 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 be more free with their words. So um, you don't really need to hold back with someone who may have secrets to tell. You know, if you get enough alcohol in them, they may very well sit there and blurt out, you know, a secret that they're holding that could potentially lead to a quest or a revelation of some kind. So it really, it's just a convenient way to do these things in a non-contrived fashion. It just presents the perfect, you know, location, mm-hmm. the perfect setting to do that. Now, Alex. Yes. What is the strangest thing or the most non-cliche thing that you've ever shown to your players in a tavern? Oh, most non-cliche. Um, well, I, I guess uh, probably the tavern design itself. I, uh... They they were they were traveling north and this was like uh, you know this was way up into the uh, the frozen tundra and so I had I I thought well the, the, there's got to be a rest stop but it's not it can't be a typical tavern because you know they just wouldn't have that so what it was is it was, it was essentially set into the ground you know it had it had kind of large uh, conical roof with a, a large chimney in the center 
and even the stables was set kind of underground. So they would get there and you had to kind of go down this ramp down into uh, the small passage. And then you had doors that opened into the, uh, you know, into the stables, you know, below ground. And, you know, you walk down this, this flight of stairs into the, into the tavern itself. And it had a huge sort of central uh, circular fireplace with a, an iron uh, kind of cone above it for the, you know, to kind of catch the the smoke and all that stuff mm. and it, it was just a really a really interesting setting ba- you know uh, adapted to the to the environment you know because if you live in a cold climate the going below the frost the frost line is is actually you know pretty warm plus the ground is insulating so for the, for for them it was it was really practical to have this this tavern sort of set you know almost almost underground and so it was just uh, the, the the players just loved the tavern when they went in it just uh, and then, of course, you describe the, you know, all this heat coming from this massive fire they have in the middle. It's basically basically a bonfire in, in the middle of this in the middle of this place. Right. You know, they had foods that were appropriate, lots of meat, because, you know, up in the tundra, there's not a lot of ve- vegetation available or places to grow it. So they had a lot of fun fungi, mushrooms, uh, lichens, uh, lots of meats, and that's something to consider too when you're when you're designing a, a tavern is is you know, what sort of foods are they going to have nearby? You know, yeah. is this a place where they're, you know, is, is it on the coast? They're probably going to have lots of fish, you know. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if it's inland, not so much, you know. Is mm-hmm. it a place where that, that's really hot and tropical? You know, you might you might go there and, they, and insects might be high on the diet, you know. Um, right. You know, snakes, yeah. gators, you know, whatever it, whatever it happens to be. So, you know, and really. And if they have something that, you know, if it's an inland tavern and they have fish, I mean, that's going to be expensive. That's going to yeah. be the delicacy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, or maybe it's freshwater fish or, or something from underground, you know. Mm. Um, and in a fantasy setting, it, it opens up the idea for a lot more options. You know, you can be eating some really exotic meats from the, from you know, from the underdark or from, you know, some some sort of magical creature that uh, some adventurers brought back some of the meat with them uh, I've, I've had I've, I've had played characters where I've done that where you know they, they harvest meat from something they killed in the in in the wild you know or an adventure and they bring it back to a tavern and, and they barter for for their bed and all that stuff so very cool yeah I think uh you know the no the local nobles will pay very highly for this hook horror meat um, they, they yeah. say it tastes like chicken so <laughs> I think it'll be be pretty good. Uh, what about you, Matt? How have you taken the tavern and kind of shaken up the old trope? Uh, I think uh, like the the example that springs to mind immediately is a really recent one, which was the just the most recent episode of the Provokers uh, when they were at the uh, what was it called? The curtain. There was yes, the curtain, and yeah, I, I mix it up between the curtain and the cascade because I watched your prep video. So yeah, I saw no, the, Aaron, uh, the dilemma. Yeah, Aaron Van Sock uh, put forward the Cascade Club, which I loved, but then I was thinking yeah. about it more, and the Cascade Club kind of put forward a different mm-hmm. feel than I wanted, mm-hmm. and so I went with the curtain because I wanted it to be kind of this, like, kind of swanky, sort of almost, like, I don't know, just I, I like the idea of a tavern with just one name. You know, it seemed like uh, it would be mm. a hard place to get into if it just has one name, you know, the curtain. <laughs> but... um. The rocks. You know, the the curtain is a tavern in the city of Stone Rift, which is a city built within the walls of a canyon. And so I, I, I was able to have a lot of fun with this. And, you know, I had already decided that there were these these big glacier fed waterfalls that were falling into the canyon and that the dwarves, you know, utilized these waterfalls with these big water wheels that powered their elevators and things like that. But I also decided that 
the the curtain was basically set into the wall of this canyon but it's it's um the wall was open so you could if the waterfall wasn't there you could literally just step out into the canyon and fall you know hundreds of feet but instead there's this waterfall that's basically serving as the wall of the of the tavern and so it's called the curtain because there's just this this frigid glacial water falling as as part of the wall and I continued the sort of the theme of of the dwarves harvesting the lightning and using it you know as sort of you know rudimentary electricity and I had these the the static shots which were shots of liquor that were electrified and so when you drank them you, you know your <laughs> hair would just stand on end or your beard would stand on end and it would kind of give you a little bit of a jolt um and um I, you know I can't remember if I had anything particularly unique about the food I think they had ram you could you could order ram you know like a like goat meat basically uh-huh. Um, we didn't eat we didn't eat anything there, I don't think. Yeah, I don't so. think you guys ate anything, but um I yeah, I, I liked the idea of the dwarves having these static shots, you know, making it a really yeah. unique drink and <laughs> and just kind of putting forward that this this tavern was not a typical medieval tavern. It was very clean and hard and like minimalist and it had these sort of eerie blue electric lights and the the water serving as the wall and um so I I feel like you know, taking taking the the things about a tavern, you know, the 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 ale and the old man in the corner, and just kind of tweaking them a little bit, turning them on their head a little bit, and so you know, instead of the old man in the corner, you know, I had the the dwarf who got hit by lightning one too many times, and he's just kind of sitting there mumbling to himself, and the party's like, "What's that guy's deal?" You know, that kind of thing. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think you just take those you take those tropes and you just you know twist them a little bit, and they are made new again, but they still serve their intended purpose. And you you accomplish that mission as as a player in that game, and not only that, but like I said at the beginning, you know, the inside of a tavern should tell you about the city outside mm. the tavern. Yeah, and you did that. It was a, it was a really cool setup for the game itself. I mean, I yeah, I I loved it. Awesome, thank you, thank you, and thank Aaron <laughs> Van Sock. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and I you know I like putting the NPC in there with the kind of the brain injury because it it kind of illustrates to the party. It's a uh, you know the old you know show don't tell. I don't want to just tell you guys that people get injured on the job here in Stone Rift. I'm just going to show you somebody who was injured on the job mm-hmm. and let you make your own assumptions. You know, thinking about different genres too. Uh, you know, running Call of Cthulhu. One of the things I like to do is to find old menus from the 1920s or 30s or whatever you know oh, whatever time yeah. period I'm running, because right. um, you know we we tend not to think about it, but they ate really different sorts of food in those times oh in, yeah in, yeah in in the in those different time I'll, periods i'll have a lean cuisine please <laughs> <laughs> what spaghettios please <laughs> perhaps a perhaps a hot pocket would do nicely. <laughs> and a side of funyuns please <laughs> but 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 the, but the thing, things that would just be alien alien to us you know now uh you know were, were commonplace at that time so you know if i know they're going to be on a ship then I'll I'll start looking up menus from you know from passenger liners you know around that time period and see what sort of you know things they had and even you know if they have some cool images just download those and 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 uh, give them to the players it it, it ad- that you know it adds a lot of uh, texture to the setting um, you know that they, they there was one that had like a cigarette and uh, cigar menu 
you know, for oh. people to, uh, <laughs> you know, which would very be, cool, man. You yeah, know, we, we, I actually I remember that, Alex. I was playing mm-hmm. in that that Call of Cthulhu game where we were on the 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 ocean liner. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you sent out the menus beforehand. And I, I literally was like looking through the menu trying to decide what I was going to get before the game because I wanted to think what would my character drink and yeah. eat. You know, I was thinking, you know, because all these things are so particular and so unique. I was like, I got I to gotta think about what does he drink with his meal? What, does he get a what? does he get a scotch? Does he drink wine? You know, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's weird. Here's, here's one I, I had from 1928 and uh, it was from the uh, SS uh, Minicada. And uh, now they, they have some things that, w- that would be recognizable to us, like cornflakes or shredded wheat. Uh, but then they also have uh, deviled mutton kidneys. Uh, oh, yeah. Just like mom used to make. <laughs> minced, la- minced lamb on toast. You know, just. No, the, yeah, I, get, you know. I have the microwavable version of those. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Griddle cakes. I think I, I think they have syrup. Doritos flavored uh, like minced uh, mutton kidneys. <laughs> now, this 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 one, I, I, I really want to find out what it is because it, it's called Yarmouth Bloaters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty it's sure that's opposite. a menu item at KFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of Raging Swan Press? Yes. Uh, no, I haven't. You know, I'm I'm not huge on reviewing or talking about products, but mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, uh, I have purchased almost I mean the entire gamut of this company's material. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, like ten percent of it, is Pathfinder based. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of it is just system agnostic lists. D100 oh, nice. lists of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Counter, our our uh, our brother from, uh, where is he from? Is he from Australia or New Zealand? Oh, I can't remember. Shit, we're in trouble, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he sent me a message reminding me of this, and I uh, I wanted to kind of give it a shout out because you know in here they have a whole tavern uh, supplement. Oh, nice. And in oh, there, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, tons of menus, food and drink. I mean, all right, Matt, I want you to roll a. Uh, uh, a D20 right now. A D20? D20. We're doing a, a poor tavern's oh, meal. Oh, man, you know what? You're going to kill me, Barker. I don't have any dice next to me. All right, I got, I've got it. Fate, I've got fate dice and some D6s. I don't have a D20. Well, just just roll a, a fate die like okay, 20 right. times, right, and we'll see. We'll see what you get. <laughs> I, I got a 14. You got a 14. Okay, so if we're in a, in a poor tavern, you are uh, the uh, the meal that's on the menu is cheesy millet balls with carrot. Oh, yeah. Nice. That sounds delicious. <laughs> but, I mean, imagine if you tell your players, oh, so would you like the cheesy millet bowls with carrot? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want that. Why not? If we're plugging things, I want to give a shout-out really quick to Kirk from PhD&D, who has uh, the immersion tables for tavern names and yeah, main yeah, dishes definitely. and NPC names. Um they are available for free on his website, and they are awesome because you basically roll three times on this food uh, table, and it gives you a main dish. Like it's like you roll once, and it's like buttered. You roll again, duck. You roll again, you know, feet or something like that. You know, and so you yeah. you, you basically get the main dish of this tavern by rolling on these tables. They're awesome. Oh, that's sick. Uh, yeah, PhD and he was saying we were doing a, a a hangout one time, and he was saying like his players ask for it now. Like they'll be in a tavern and he'll, he'll finish describing it. And they're like, well, do we get to roll to see what we get to eat? And he's like, Oh, uh, sure. You know, and he, <laughs> so he breaks out these tables so they can figure out what they're going to eat there. So awesome. So that's uh that's PhD and D on YouTube. 
Yes. Yes, for our listeners, check them out. The 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 Doctor D and D. Doctor D and D. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and with a sci- and with a sci-fi setting, you you're pretty much you know no holes barred because oh, you, oh, you, yeah. you, you oh look at you look you look, I mean you look at Klingon food for example, and and you know you have Gach, which is you know basically live worms basically, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know blood wine, and you can just you know go crazy with it depending on you know where they are, you know what kind of food's going to be available. So and uh, the type of setting too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, science fiction. Just there, what are there at least seven settings within science fiction? You know, you have your science fantasy like Star Wars. You have your Star Trek. You oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in in uh, Alien, in the original Alien, you know, the the menu would be far different than Return of the Jedi. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're on a desert planet, you're going to be drinking blue milk, just as a, as an example. So. <laughs> And that's it. That's all they consume. <laughs> that's all they, cabbage and blue milk. Aunt Beru was putting that cabbage in that pot all day long. <laughs> I always wondered what she was making in that movie, man. Rest in peace, Beru. Rest in peace. <laughs> so her family wondered too. <laughs> no, it's true. You, you can really just go crazy in a, in a sci-fi setting because it's, I mean, this stuff is from other worlds and harvested from asteroids and, you know, things like that. So, Well, both in, both in fantasy and sci-fi, you also have to contend with the possibility that, that something you maybe served on a menu was, was uh, sentient. You know, am I, am yeah. I, am I going to be eating something now that once, that once had conscious thought? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I talked to this guy like two days ago. I asked him directions. Didn't we get it's, a quest from this guy? Now we're eating him. It's te- <laughs> it's technically not cannibalism. Yeah. Would you like the filet mignon or the dark wizard in the corner? Uh, I'll take the filet. <laughs> <laughs> or the fact that you know, uh, typical animals that we that we see here are are gonna be you know smarter or <laughs> have the ability to talk. You know, you can be a gnome with the ability to speak with animals and then go talk to an animal, and then later on, two days later, you're eating it at a well, tavern. So yeah, oh, God, well, well, that's well, a well, really well, great way to spice it up for your druid. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. You know that you know that uh, that goat you were talking to the other day. Yeah, well, he's delicious. <laughs> no, I I cut into it you hear the word ouch <laughs> Wait, what? why why <laughs> hey there's a new druid spell speak with dead animals so you can actually like talk to your steak mm. medium rare did you have a good death cow you're delicious <laughs> well this is uh, getting dark yeah <laughs> Well, I mentioned in in one of the previous in the I think it was the last one where the party in my game killed a white dragon, and you know, it, admittedly they're not 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 the smartest of the dragons, but still but still but still sapient, and so they um but they but they actually took meat back to the family farm, and uh, that night they ate its heart. So it's you know, damn, <laughs> that's hardcore. My wife and I were talking about this podcast. I'm sorry, I just got to jump in here. <laughs> And we were talking about starting a drinking game, uh, a roll up and die drinking game. And one of the tenets of the drinking game is you take a drink every time Captain Gothnog describes something super fucked up about one of his games. <laughs> 
is, is one of the other things you you take a drink whenever Barker hasn't seen a movie that Alex yes, or Matt that's mentions. Right. That's, that's, that's right. I swear to God, that's the only other thing that we've written down. So. <laughs> Warning: Do not play this drinking game if you're listening to this podcast in your car. I'll tell you what: if you're listening right now, if you're a listener and you come up with a drinking game, like five tenets of this drinking game, it's yeah. got to include those two, and you send it to me. I promise you, we will talk about it in the show, and we will mention you by name. Exactly. And what what better episode to kick off the drinking game than the episode about taverns? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, think, I mean, Perfect. amputations to eating dragon's hearts. I mean, Captain yeah. Gothnog has no boundaries. <laughs> to be fair, much of that was player-driven. I'll, I'll just put that out there. <laughs> okay, so it is that time again for an idea that you, the listeners, can steal. Uh, and what I think we should do is the three of us should create one tavern, and then we should create one tavern owner or bartender. Okay. Who's going to kick it off? All right, I will. The The name of the tavern is the Black Boot. Mm. The Black Boot. Okay. The tavern used to be a small wizard enclave, a small structure where wizards studied and practiced their magic. Ooh. Now... The name, the Black Boot, that's an alliteration. And so people who are very into the underground, they know that that usually means that this is actually a front for the Thieves' Guild. So this tavern actually has a stables outside of it. Uh, it's, it doubles as a stable and a tavern. And in order to enter the Thieves' Guild part of this old tavern of the Black Boot, you must ask the stable boy or stable person a rhetorical question. I like it. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go around one more time. Okay. The bartender is a tall, sort of uh, lanky individual with hair tied back in a ponytail. Uh, his face is very uh, slender, angular, uh, though not elven. He's uh, he's clearly human, and uh, he wears a necklace with a a chunk of amber hanging uh, hanging from it. Uh, this on this on this chain, and he is uh, he's sort of, he's sort of obsessive about cleanliness. Like he he moves around the bar with his with his towel, sort of wiping up after everyone as soon as like they pick up their their uh, their glass. And uh, his uh, his arms and part of his shoulders are covered in these in these sort of these kind of dark red tattoos of of birds. Ooh, awesome! Uh, I'm gonna say that the mantle above the fireplace, above the hearth uh, in the black boot, is covered with teeth, uh, just piles and piles of teeth. And some of them are lined up on display. Some of them are kind of put in little bowls or boxes, but there's just teeth all over this mantle. And if you ask someone, what's with the teeth? They say, well, if you start a fight, you got to pick up all the teeth afterwards and put them on the mantle. Nice. Uh, I, guess, I guess you get the guy in the corner. <laughs> oh, do I get the guy in the corner? Okay. All right. You don't have to do the guy no, in the I'm corner. No, I'm going to. I have to do it, but I hate the guy in the corner. I'm doing it, though. I'm then then it. you're the perfect guy to do it. Here's here's an idea. The guy in the corner is so dark and mysterious and aloof because he's actually been dead for the last 12 hours and no one realizes it. 
couple of players go over, what's this guy's deal? And they poke him, and he just kind of slumps off the chair with a dagger in his back. Holy shit, he's dead. He's, he's, actually, mu- he's actually mummified. He's been sitting next to the fireplace, so he's, he's sort of like... His skin is, you know, pretty much leather at this point. Yeah, he died of starvation because, you know, this was too much of a sandboxy campaign and the players took their own sweet-ass time getting to that damn I was actually going to say that on the ceiling, uh, there were dangling boots. Boots of Ooh. every single patron that has ever died inside of this tavern. I like oh, it. Nice. So the black boot, former... Mage's Enclave, current front for a thieves' guild, displaying the teeth of patrons who participate in fights and lose their teeth on the mantle, and boots hanging from the ceiling of every patron that has ever died boots in the, of the black dead. boot. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Me too. And the thing that I think we should leave to the listener is that this amber kind of amulet or necklace around the, the owner or bartender's neck mm-hmm. should have something to do with that old wizard's enclave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I agree. up to them. Absolutely. Oh, I forgot to post a uh, question on the page. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fart. Um, Oops. Um, let's make up a question that our <laughs> listeners might ask. Yeah. Here's a, here's a question. Dear Barker, Alex, and Matt, my players don't enjoy downtime activities as much as I would like them to. They tend to bypass... Uh, shopping and spending time in taverns and doing things like buying businesses or, or uh, you know, pursuing uh, outside activities outside of just dungeon delving and, and, and fighting and things like that. How do I get my players more interested in downtime activities that might take place in a tavern? Did you actually read that, like, from a sentence? Uh, nope. I just came up with it. You're sexy. Well done. <laughs> Don't tell me twice. <laughs> I, I would I would say, uh, ironically, to make your players more interested in your setting, in your tavern, make your tavern more interested in your players. The NPCs should look at your players' gear, their their characters' gear, and say things like, "Oi, where'd you get that sword? It's beautiful." Or, "I've seen that sword before," or something like that. You know, really pump up the interest that your mm-hmm. NPCs and your setting hold toward your players characters yeah i think that's smart i I would also say reward them you know with the rewards they prefer so you know if if you have a party that you know is is just into into acquiring wealth then then give them opportunities for that you know whether it's gambling or contests or something that you know something they can they can earn a few extra gold uh if they're more into role playing, then just just fill it with the most interesting characters you can you can muster. If they like, if they prefer kind of comic relief in the tavern because they just went through you know they just went through the hell in the dungeon that you just created for them, so now they want to relax. So you know, give them that comic relief. Give them the drunk dwarf who you know, uh, you know who walks who walks by them and won't leave them alone, and you know. You know, and farts as he uh, sort of, you know, <laughs> sits, sits, sits down with him. You know, find, find, splits his pants because he as he right. bends over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> f- find out, you know, what 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 the you know whatever your party is looking for, and make sure that they can get it there. Yeah, that's that's a really really smart way of looking at it. I like that. What would you say, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I asked the question. No, I I would say that um, I don't. I don't know. Let me think. About it. <laughs> no, that's all right. I was genuinely interested. Um, 
entirely. Um, can I can I say something that you did for your players that made us interested in your setting? Sure, I love hearing about myself. <laughs> that's that's horseshit. You and I know that's bullshit. Um, yes, please though. This is something that Matt has done in the Provokers game, uh, especially with the Wayward Wanderer. Give the place a history that is known but moves far before the lifespan of these characters. Mm. Mm. So the Wayward Wanderer is an old watchtower, right? That's been kind of decapitated. Yeah, it's uh it's like, you know, the it's like Weathertop mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. It's this kind of, you know, an old watchtower that only has the first two floors and the rest of it is kind of collapsed uh, away and they use the stones to build the stables outside of the the watchtower. And, and mm-hmm. the owners are famous adventurers. Uh one is a famous mage kind of wizard and the other mm-hmm. is a famous uh fighter. Yeah, and uh it's they're the two of them are part of like the original gangsters of my homebrew setting. Like oh, there gee. is a there is a party that is known throughout the land, and these are two of the members: the the sorcerer and the fighter from the party. Uh, and the druid of that party was featured in my Orcs of Skull Ridge game, and so I'm <laughs> I'm kind of just putting them all throughout the land as these, and they've all since retired and, and parted ways, but. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I like kind of putting them wherever I can. Yeah, and what's cool about them is that their weapons are hanging in the Wayward Wanderer, so someone can yeah. look at them and and they're very like specific weapons. You know, the staff, uh, the hammer, the or axe. You probably know it better than I do. It's your world, man. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, they're they're very specific and very pointed, and it's something that the players' characters can ask about. Hey, who do those belong to? You know. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I tried to give the the owners a little bit of an interesting dynamic where it's a human woman and a dwarven man who are married, and I, I've, I always like weird pairings like that. You know, people who, you know, who love each other and are married despite the fact that they are completely different races and technically can't breed with one another. But I, you know, I, I just kind of like that idea. So, and that gives them a little bit of an interesting dynamic as well that your players might, you know, pose like, Hey, how did you two meet? And how did you get married? And all of that. Do you guys have anything else that you want to cover or feel like we should? Yeah. I mean, th- I wanted to mention that there are some pretty good online, uh, generators as well for things like tavern names, uh, menus and things like that. And, and maybe I'll, uh, I'll give you uh, uh, at least one of my favorite links that you can just kind of put in the in the description uh, oh, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, if you uh, yeah. Uh, so um, in the okay, so um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, just, I'll just put it on our Facebook page, and that way people can uh, just go there and. Uh, oh, that's smart because then we can give them our Facebook page from right here. That's in the right. podcast. Exactly. Brilliant. Yeah, I like. Uh, <clears throat> What's the one I like? I like Don John. Have you guys? Do you guys use oh, yeah. Don John? Oh that, yeah. That, that, that's the one I was going to use. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. Oh man, Don John is is excellent. I've, it's got uh, freaking everything. It has it everything. It has... I want to. I want to find the guy behind Don John and just kiss him full in the mouth. That <laughs> dude just makes awesome stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, it has like moon calendars. Yeah. You put in yeah. like the, the the number of moons that your world has and like their distances from the planet, and he'll tell you yes. hey, yep. on which day it will be waning or waxing. Well, like, and, I'm and, telling and, you. and he's on top of his game too. I mean, he he literally has like uh, like trinkets for fifth edition that you can. You I know can, he has all the like... fifth edition stuff, and he he put the uh, the dungeon generator for fifth edition on there too. Yeah, and, the, yeah. and he has a treasure generator too. Yeah. Oh it, man, it's, it's, I use it's his um 
trap generators mm-hmm. and his NPC generators. I'll just generate like a yep. hundred each and print them out, and I just have those next to me at all times while I'm gaming. If, if and if I need it, if I need yeah. a quick NPC or a quick trap, I just roll one. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I keep yeah. that open almost all the time when I'm when I'm online gaming because it, you know if 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 the if the players go go way off track and I and and I need something quick, it's like go right there. <laughs> Exactly, I love it. <laughs> and Don John, you, I mean, you can, you guys can find that at uh, Don John D O N J O N dot B I N dot bin rather yep. dot S H. So Don John dot bin dot sh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, were we being too loud? No, yeah, no. <laughs> common mistake. We'll still put the we'll still put the link on the Facebook page. Yeah, you know, we'll, and I've actually that. printed out full on random dungeon maps from Don John and just run them as is. They're not always the most coherent or cohesive, but damn it, they're fun. Yeah, nice. yeah. And uh, our Facebook page, you can find it facebook.com slash roll up and die. And is it time for the Godspeed? <laughs> <laughs> we could we could do it that all is to- now. We, we could do it all together. Yeah. Let's, let's try to do together. it all together. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right, all right. One, One two, three. God, God speed. speed. <laughs> that actually sounded kind of good on my end. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.